time for our feature interview of episode five and i've been looking forward to this one for a couple of weeks now it's with a teammate of mine on the irish mountain running team ian conroy i've been racing against ian since 2004 and sharing irish teams with him since 2010 he's an absolutely super guy and what a climber as well as you'll see in the interview he's a great friend too and isn't that what running is all about it's about making life-lasting friendships and as you'll see it's so important to look after our friends from the running community as well and just to check in with our friends to make sure that if you see them going through any lows give them a shout ask them if they're okay because as you'll see with Ian um, he's got through his hard times through talking to his running friends and family members as well so let's get straight into it let's dial in the fantastic mountain runner Ian Conroy Ian Conroy, 21 times international for the Irish mountain running team. Ian, you're very welcome to the show. Great to be on, Alan. Great to hear from you as usual. No, listen, great, Ian. An absolute pleasure to have you with us today. And Ian, where do we start? I mean, 11 years running for Ireland. And I thought that we'd start back in August 2019 before the world heard of such a thing as coronavirus and um, a beautiful summer's day down in, in Wicklow, um, the trial race for the world championships to, for a ticket to Patagonia. Um, a, a very competitive race that day. I think there was maybe about eight runners going for, for three plane tickets to Argentina. And he came second that day, guaranteed your spot on the plane to Argentina. Now, I was, I was battling for a place behind you, came in one place behind you that day. But I remember in my mum and dad and, and little kids and Jenny were there at the finish line. And they said that they saw you cross the finish line. And the, the screams, the shouts of joy, happiness, relief. From you, they said that they, they saw nothing. They never saw anything like that before. So, in maybe to start off, could you tell us what that moment meant to you, and where those shouts of joy and relief came from? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, the thing is that, like, if they if they watch me a few more big races, they might see that more often. I suppose, like, I tend to build everything up and then let it all out at some point, but. Uh, that day was like it was quite uh i suppose poignant is that the word and because my auntie gertie had died that week and it was her funeral that day and that's added to a few other things that go back through but so i had missed the funeral because we'd I'd actually talked about it to my auntie and she's a big fan of mine kind of like you know she would have been oh, i love watching katrina mckiernan and sonia sullivan as like the two the two name checks there and she's like oh Ian's just like Sonia's away with Ireland and stuff and she's very proud and stuff so on that day I missed the funeral and like I was like I'm actually getting a bit emotional there but she's not she's only been gone about a year or whatever but anyway so that was all like tied up in that and also of course it had been a long road back from a maybe seven month injury and previously to that I'd been dealing with like <laughs> just seeing people just pop, pop out of my life quite a bit before that, like my brother-in-law passed away in 2017. And then I had a, a real downturn, like mentally, I suppose. And I just came myself into the ground as all runners do. And so like, I suppose 2019 was like the, I'm back. I'm actually back. 
and like I raced as I planned. I remember it was it was it yourself and Timmy O'Donoghue went off like like normal, like but like it felt like me. Oh my god, like the clappers, and I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna be able to catch up with these lads. And um, I remember Killian uh, Mooney, and he was just saying, "Be grand, and you'll catch them up on the hill." And we got to the hill, and I could. It was like, oh yeah, this is this is what I I, I do it for. And it was like a conveyor belt. It just went straight up into second straight away. And after that, I suppose my lack of speed training told when I caught him and I told him, look, we put another half lap in for, for home free. <laughs> and I, I knew he was faster than me, but he just looked at me and then he pegged it <laughs> on the downhill uh, on the flat part. So I couldn't get back up. But like, it was just a culmination of everything like emotions and like like yourself i think there's there's a few of us in the team that it means like it's like it means the same as our family just making the team like it's an extension of us as people and our family just to be in that ireland enclave and we just like it was like i remember uh, embracing and hugging you when you finished and it was hard to see like say killian my great, other great friend or other people not making the team but sure, we can't all make it. And we got our, you know, Patagonia golden tickets. So that was screams of joy. And I think I might have started crying a little bit on the ground as well afterwards. It was just, ah, uh, I just, it, it feels good to remember. That's pretty much it, don't you? Yeah. Well, Ian, th- thanks a million for, for sharing that with us and any script that I might have had for this interview has just gone out the window where 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 do I go from that I mean like we we shared a week together in Patagonia Mm -hmm. um in November two months after that trial race when we were at the world championships and and we never had that conversation and and I didn't know that your auntie had died and that that day what was the funeral and what was it a a tough decision in in any way to go to the trial race and uh, not go to the funeral. Yeah, I was tied, but previous week, uh, like it's hard to remember straight off with my my mother will give out to me, but her brother and my uncle, my mother's brother, had died like the week before, I think, and I'd already been to that funeral. So, and my younger brother couldn't make it to that one. So, but I had gone. So my younger brother went to this, and I thought it was it was okay that basically it's not as if you know, she's not like the funerals are for the living, essentially. But like, it, it's it's a nice way to say goodbye. But I suppose I discussed it with my mother, and she was, you know, like she said that my aunt would have, you know, she would have preferred me to go to the trial. And sure, even at the other funeral, they were all saying before my aunt died that, like, you know, you'll make it in. And I was like, well, I don't know, I'm not where I should be. And they're like, you're gonna make it. You'll make the Irish team. So like, although it was. It was just something maybe that it's like those little niggles you get. I know it's, it's much more than that, but like that you get the week of a race. It's just stuff, but it helps you concentrate your mind. And in a way, it helped me make the team because I was doing it for Andy Gerty. So, yeah, absolutely. And and that was the the twenty first time, Ian. I think that you had ran for yeah. Ireland. You're, um, you're good. You're, you obviously looked it up very well because yeah, like the stats. Yeah, yeah. Myself and Brian McMahon are missing a few uh, off ours. I, I think myself and he are 
are tied or else he's one or two ahead of me overall. So, you know, I've got to get myself into be the most capped mountain runner of all time. Well, 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 let me just share with the listeners what you have. You've got nine mountain running world championships, five mountain running European championships, four Snowden international race caps, two great international trail race caps and one trail de Gerleden. It's an incredible achievement in over what over 11 years now and maybe one place we could start with after that was you mentioned that you were injured for seven months last year before getting in good enough shape to to make that Irish world championship team and I, I suspect that there's a lot of people listening that maybe have gone through similar um dark moments, especially over the last three months since coronavirus started, whether they they might not have been able to get out to train because of work, family commitments, maybe even injuries, lockdown, etc. What what tips, what advice can you give to people who who are at a low at the moment to, to help them get back and, and reach their their race target and and listen you know not everybody is is trying to make an Irish international team it, it might be their first trail race it might be a, a an ultra trail a 30k a 40k how did you in go about getting over that injury and getting yourself right to be good yep. enough to run for Ireland again yeah no wrong I think well it, it helps that I've done it before so I know what's required so I suppose you like so I know that to make a team more or less I have to be able to time trial in less than 16 minutes for 5k I have to be able to do over two hours of a long run and I have to be able to run 80 miles a week so that's one that's one way of looking you can look at like stats like for yourself so you'll have your own way of knowing how you're fit but there's no way of not really but for me I think uh, whereas you, you just let me see it's a hard one. Yeah. Maybe ask me a slightly different way. Like it's kind of like hard to get. Oh, yeah, I had the answer, but it's kind of escaping me now slightly. Well, I know from observing you in over the years, it's just never giving up. It, it's never giving up, isn't it? And asking for help. I remember. Um, I think you, you cycled over to my house from Rohini to Clancilla. <laughs> just uh, asked me to go through some stretching and strength work with you um, and you've just never thrown in the towel so for people listening maybe that's the message just uh, no, no matter how dark of a place that you're in just to keep going I suppose, never give up I was thinking yeah like the, all those things like everything has a cycle that's what I always tell myself like so if you do go to the dark places where you are injured like as my father would say fathers are great for these kind of things you know or grandparents or anyone like that like eh, there's always someone worse off in a way you know like he's like you see there's some like very amazing people who are like they end up quadriplegics or something like that and they they're like really positive people so like i think everything has a cycle and in some ways like a depression or an injury or that kind of stuff to come back from it sometimes you need it to do so like it, it's kind of like part of the it's like you're almost like i had a like a an actual grieving process that was like from my brother-in-law and it it basically took you know over a year and, and i never got like what i would recommend is people talk about things that's the first thing so like anything that has to be realized uh, be it like say you're feeling down like people are now at this present time 
just talk about like like what are the things that make you yourself in a good way, I suppose, in positive spin. You think about those, you could even write them down. People often say like for therapy or anything. So the same thing in work, it's the same as doing a test or so you just make steps to become better in whatever way you want. And that's what I do. It's the, for myself, when you want to come out of something, you just write down the things you need to do. It's like those three things I said for me making a world team. They're the same thing as I would do. So I'd look at my life and say, well, you know, why am I down? Try and rectify that. If it's because I'm holding in stuff, I go talk to my younger brother is one of the people I would talk to. And Zoe Quinn, who's also in Rohini, she's very helpful. And it's not like I talk much about stuff. It's just like the few words here and there help. And now people are in positions in lockdown that they're, like say I'm used to having that in say, we'll call it normal life. What is the new normal is the same hashtag. But um, so they'll be in positions of maybe depressive thoughts or that kind of thing that they're not used to. And they're not really, maybe they're they're not willing to deal with or they just don't, it's strange to them. So like even with, like it's like us, we're talking, I know it's a podcast and all, but like people staying in contact means that you can kind of get stuff. If, even if you're talking around something, you're still talking essentially about it. So I'd say it's yeah. it's same for same. Yeah. And I kind of, without maybe realizing and without maybe the listeners knowing, we've kind of begin to touch on not just physical issues, but mental issues in as well. Mm-hmm. And we weren't maybe going to touch on this until later on in the podcast, but it seems like a good time to, to bring it up that not only have you gone through physical injuries and made incredible comebacks, but mentally you've had tough times as well. And from afar, maybe it was something that I maybe began to observe the more and more I got to know you and just maybe little things that you said to me over the years that, oh, oh, I was in a bad place there. And then actually realized, actually, Ian wasn't just in a physically bad place. He was actually a bit down. Um, was it depression, Ian, that, that, that you had? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. It like, took me like a number of years because like, like people are they're in denial. So it's like, it's like the injury. It's the same thing. That's why I equate it. It's like, you know, ah, geez, I've got that niggle and it's like, uh, you've only got one leg left. So, <laughs> you know, you just ignore it and then it goes, it's worse and worse. So the depression is like, you're just digging a hole. So yeah, it was depression. Once you admit it, it becomes, you know, it's almost the antithesis. It starts to get better. Yeah. And how did running um, fit into that depression issue in did 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 running help it or did running at times cause it because as great as running is with all its endorphins and so on and we can become quite obsessive with running as well and i'm sure lots of people listening you know can identify themselves with that that we might often miss you know family occasions or or friends time or girlfriend or boyfriend time or whatever it might be because we're off training or we're off racing and it, be, it can become a little bit dangerous at, at times for all the great things that running um, offers so how did running fit into that depression equation for for lack of a better term yeah i suppose the thing is that Sometimes you'd get injured and then you'd like, you'd think that, oh, geez, I'm getting depressed because I'm not able to run. And then it's like, 
hitting back at each other kind of thing. But it's usually not the case that the depression is essentially there, but the running is treating it as you go or it's masking it somewhat. Like I'd never, like my elder brother used to say like, well, you know, he used to run and for club and stuff. And he, he said to me, well, I'm, I don't really run anymore. I'm not running away from anything. And I thought that was strange because I never did run away from stuff. I just went like, I love running. It's like, I've loved it since I was, geez, I don't know, three years of age. I think I got my first pair of uh, Velcro runners and I ran all day until I fell asleep on the ground. Like, I love it. It's like the best. It's like Christmas every day. You're like, I'm going running 20 miles twice a day or whatever. Brilliant. So, like, you just, it becomes, for me, I think, if you're careful with it, you can use it, like, as a meditative thing. Like, I know, like, a lot of runners, like, it's all, I hit the times and the times, but, like, I've run 100 mile weeks and like you're looking at a lot of it is eight minute miling. It's just it's jogging. It's what the Japanese or maybe Rene would call um, I think it's Nikkei Nikkei running or something. It's like super slow, but you do a lot of it. Yeah. And that equates to like if it's got a whole you know, two max kind of thing going on as well. So I, I'm not I haven't really read up on it too much, but it works. So yeah. in the same way, it's it's meditative. For me so if i'm careful with my running and i don't like it's like that juggling thing like you've got kids and all that kind of things so you can't you have to give and take because if you if you take too much from something that or one of the juggled balls will fall so if you pay attention to your body and you're meditative and you're like you're not obsessive in any one facet then each will bounce off the other so i think uh, for years, I, I've you know I've used running as a meditation, and I always try to not get too involved with it. But as you know, it, it does get a bit obsessive sometimes. So no, yeah. that's, that's were you able to talk to the running people in about it? And I know maybe you might have only maybe said it to me, maybe what two years ago, three years ago, and, and we we had known each other since two thousand and four. Yeah, were you able to talk to a coach about it or friends about it? or even say helplines or even a doctor and um, how did that develop over the years in terms of who you felt comfortable talking to or, or did you just manage all this yourself well it's not a lot of it is managing myself but it's like my younger brother is probably my best outlet because i don't need to like there's plenty of conversations we've had like i call him my what is it <laughs> He's my voice twin, and he's got the same sounding voice, stuff like that. But he's four and a half years younger than me. But we're kind of like twins a lot. So we've had a lot of conversations without using any words. Remember, we had a few jokes. We just remember looking at him, and, and like people had like it's like mental. So we, I don't need to say much for him to help me. And in the same way, like my coach, the one uh, I had a few coaches, and I, I work with some people. But some like. Uh, John Davis, he was in Fingalians. He was my coach for a number of years, and he died in two thousand and eight. But he he was very good. He could talk to him about anything, and like he, <laughs> he had some crazy crazy things he used to say. Like you know, uh, you need a good blowout now and again, and like you know, you've had a few drinks too many or something like that, or ah, sure, a binge now and again, and you have you've had six bars of chocolate or something. He he put a like positive spin on everything even yeah. though he was like very ill towards the end of his life and stuff like that. But he still had time and he just talked to him about anything. Uh, so I'd use himself or not use him, sorry. <laughs> uh, talk to him and then like say, uh, there's a few lads in England, like an English club as well. 
can have, what is it, one, one, one life, two clubs, or <laughs> something like that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's lads over there, and I, I'd have, like, email things, and I'd have conversations with them, and they're very good, because it's, it's the coach, in my opinion, he's like, they're like pseudo elder brothers, sisters, mothers, aunts, and they do that same kind of thing. But they ha- they're kind of impartial as well. Like, although they might love you in the same way, they, they just got that other dimension. So they can look at it differently. And that's that's what I felt was a real help over the years, I suppose. Yeah. Well, it sounds like the most important thing is just to, to not to suffer alone. And for anybody that is listening that might be going through something similar, especially at the moment, just not to, not to be alone and to, to reach out, talk to a running buddy, talk to a running coach. And if needs be, just go to Mr. Google and type in depression helpline and, and lots of different options will come up like the likes of Aware and so on and, and do make that phone call or text that mate or send an audio message to that mate. And, uh, and, and most importantly, you know, uh, keep on running as well as the song says. And, uh, that there's right. nothing better than, than the endorphins to, to help us get through any problems or issues that we have. Mm. But going back to like you're saying, because like this is, you know, we're going to have this as part of the interview, I suppose. But like, see, last year, just just thinking there, like I had some notes, but I'm always like bad at that kind of stuff. But like that that was a Girian burst boher, I think, you know, too short in the road kind of thing. So that, that kind of ties into that. But for like, say, a comeback last year, it was... It was a Terry McConnell in TT Racers. He's my, I suppose, one of my advisors, coach, and then one of the, my fellow athletes and friend, Alistair Brown. They were a big help in me coming back last year. Like, I spent a good bit of time just running slow miles with Alistair, like long runs, 18 miles, that kind of stuff. And then, of course, there was the carrot. I was selected for the A squad for the uh, Wicklow Way relay. <laughs> <laughs> very good and you just took the title i think in. Did, we did but i didn't have the training done i was basically losing weight every week because i was doing the training and eating healthily and that kind of stuff but i was like still way off i thought and then like i can kind of you know i can take something out on the day but like alistair ended up beating me on, on his leg which is the same leg but for the b team <laughs> he beat me by seven seconds <laughs> like I said it's never going to happen again, but but it was such a great day because we got like I think it was first team and third team. But basically, the first half of the race, I went out as if I was fit, like I was you know thin and rakish as such. But I I went out hard and like the first half of the race, perfect. And then you can see obviously Strava and that kind of stuff. Alistair was much slower than that, but he was faster at the end. So it was like I was going down and he was like just hammering the end. And in the end, sure. That, that was essentially the comeback before the final, like the big one, the trial. So that really helped. And oh my God, it was... <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it's such a pity that the race was postponed this yeah. year. Because I think what TT racers, were they going for three in a row, maybe? And, I think um, was, yeah. 
Yeah, and I, and I, and I know that the uh, Raffarnum boys were, were gathering their their elite forces to try and um, stop that you tree in the road. Geez, you've not done it, Owen, I don't think, have you? I, I haven't. Uh, I was due to fly in for it to try and help the, right. help the boys in green and the Raffarnum boys take that title back. But, uh, you know, uh, matters beyond their control um, put, put a stop to that. Um, but, in let's get back to the mountains and let's get back to racing. You started off running around the track, two little laps of the track. I know for a couple of years you were knocking out 800 metres and 1,500 metres and you broke the two-minute mark on 800 metres, 159 and a, and a fairly... 58.99, quick... it's, not, it's not on pair of 10 or anything, but it was 158.99. Oh, 158, yeah, 158, that's good enough for me. And a 357 in the 1,500 metres. But how did somebody who started off running on the track and, you know, really focused on the track for the first couple of years, move to the mountains and end up running for Ireland 21 times in the mountains? How, how did that happen? It's kind of a strange one in a way, I suppose. And, and, and I think back that maybe I should have done it much earlier and there was times that I could have done that. But uh, I had an American girlfriend at the time. She didn't last long. But anyway, that's just another story. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she wanted to do a hill race. and. Uh, my friend Des Kennedy and his now wife were doing, I don't know, they were married at the time. And they said, oh, I'll give you a lift. And I, and I said, oh, sure, you know, can we go for a pint? I'd like a pint of Guinness afterwards. And I said, well, if you run a course record, <laughs> you can have a pint of Guinness afterwards. And I was like, all right, okay, that's probably unlikely. <laughs> I'm not that fit. And then I was near the front and uh, Desi from Tala, Desi Shorten, great runner. And he was like, what are you doing with us here? You should be out the front legging it. And I was like, oh, Jesus, all right. Okay. <laughs> so after, you know, first K and a half, nice little warm up into it, on this uphill to the turnaround point, I just, I, I tore off. I took his advice and I tore off. And it was like, you know, the shackles had been unleashed. It's a little, it's nothing like it. But it's, you know, that, that um, Forrest Gump moment where he has his, um, what are they called? Braces on his legs and he starts running and they break off. And it was like that in my chest. It was like, oh, geez, uh, it doesn't feel bad. It doesn't feel bad at all. I feel grand. And I haired it to the top, turned around and I did set my course record and I got my point of Guinness. And then I have to run into Jerry Brady, who was, you know, buzzing around the Irish team manager many years. And I don't know, godfather to... Irish mountain running for a decade or something that he basically helped a lot of people get in. And he said, the world trial is on in 10 days time. I think he could make that team if you take my advice. Went out with him, showed me the course, he gave me advice. And I just, uh, he told me, look, he even drove down and we did a recce and all this. And the day of the race, we were driving down. I was like, oh yeah, I'll just like, I'll sit in and then we'll see what happens and stuff. And he's like, well, you can, or like, oh, you know, I don't know what I was going to do. And he said, look, you can sit. What you need to do is sit in, let them go, and then work your way through the field. And I was like, oh, I don't know, Jerry. I'll, I'll see what happens. And he's like, yeah, you'll be sitting here and we'll be in Italy. <laughs> you don't do what I say. You won't make the team. And I was like, oh, okay. So I did listen to him. And there was like, it was a, like Stephen Scullion, uh, Brian Keane, and Mark Ryan. They all haired off. And there was another guy, Shane Milani, I think. Uh, who traditionally has gone off like the clappers at every single trial. I think he was wearing a Heinz Beans vest, cool vest, 
but he came back like fell like a stone and I remember I was up to like I was up to third by the third lap I was grand and I may I think Mark Ryan <laughs> Mark Ryan on the up He's a great, he's, he's one of the best uphill runners that can't run uphill. He's like, he just can't run uphill. But the fact that he, he does such a good impression, he's good at it kind of thing. I don't know. He's such a sufferer. He's amazing. But anyway, I don't know many people who can suffer as much as him. And uh, we got to the top and he was like, are we clear? And I was like, what? Are we clear of everyone else? Are we going to make the team? And I was like, yeah, I think we're grand. Okay. I was like, oh, thank God. And then he relaxed and he recovered and passed me in the last home straight and stuff. But then I crossed the line and he like he hugged me and he's like, we're going to Italy. And that essentially is, <laughs> that's how it started. Yeah, it was a great moment. Uh, in the, the first of many, the first of many Irish caps. And w- would I be right in saying that the best result maybe of those 21 caps was uh, top 25 in the World Championships, um, close to home soil in Wales in 2015, yeah. where you got 24th. Yeah, it was a great day. Great day altogether. Yeah. A work of, like, you, you know yourself, once you start, like, say, for your 1500 even, or any kind of event, it's like, it's graft, it's like doing the same thing, it's doing your 10,000 hours. So, like, it's, if I started 2009, I even went back to the track for a year to get my speed back, and I rode and stuff like that. But, like, that was, was that? But six years, so that's got a most, I don't know if it was 10,000 hours, but enough to know what I was doing. So I had experimented with altitude training and I had, I'd done, I'd been, I took eight weeks off that summer and I traveled around racing all over Europe in Grand Prix, which was good. I, I think I got my first bonus that year. Yeah, I got a hundred quid or 200 quid for beating someone. Uh, I think I was 12th because my previous two weeks before was 13th and the me promoter said, you know, if you, be, if you come 12th, I'll give you whatever, 200 quid or something. It's like, all right, yeah. So that, that all kind of like, it kept going. Everything was about the worlds. If I had a bad race, it, it wasn't a bad race. It was like bedrock for the season. So I did a lot of racing and I made a lot of mistakes. But like that day in Wales, it was the culmination of the entire season. I was just like, I was buzzing. I'd done, I'd done a, where did I done that? I think it was a Grand, the Grand Prix that I was 12th. And like, it was like at one point until I told, took a slight wrong turn. It was at altitude and it just kind of hurt me. I went from like sixth or seventh and I ended up uh, falling out to 15th and chasing back up again. But I was ahead of a Kenyan at one point and he was, I was like, we kicked these Moroccans' arses and uh, So like, that was a really strong run. And James Kevin, fellow mountain runner, was saying like, so what are you going to do in the world? And do you think you're going to go like top 30 or top 25? And I hadn't actually thought about it. I knew I was going to run. And I was like, yeah, top 25. So and then I then I thought about like you know what was Jerry Brady's best? What was Mark Ryan's best? What was Ryan McMahon's best? And kind of like twenty sixth for Mark, twenty fourth for Brian. Although Jerry, I think he had twenty second and twenty third. And uh, I was like, oh, Jaybers. But anyway, I um. But I remember like. I had everything about that weekend. If it didn't, you know, that kind of mindset you get into, it's like everything you do is the right thing because you couldn't have done it. Like it's like destiny, I suppose. It's like it's done now. So it's done. So like we had a late dinner on the Friday, but the race wasn't until Sunday. Grand. There were all the usual thing like, oh, but you have to have dinner. You have to have dinner. And I was like, yeah, I'm going for a run. I don't care. So me and Brian Fury went for a, like half an hour run at nine o'clock on the Friday and we came back as usual dinner hadn't been served at that point anyway sat down to dinner and we checked out the course the next day and i did my my recce a lap of it was a three lapper 
and they were all we were all running together and I turned around and like halfway down the downhill and I was like where is everybody like <laughs> I thought like because I was just like in my own world for a bit but I, I was waiting for like three or four minutes I thought Jesus you lads are either slow or I'm really fit or whatever so I knew I was in good shape and then the next day go out hard I led the race for a bit. It's on videotape. I led the world championships, but that was part of the plan. Go it hard. Do not, like the previous year, I had fallen, uh, was it um, Petrol Mammal, I think, and another Eritrean fell in straight in front of me. And I'm not tall enough to leap over them. So I ran straight into them. And then uh, Rob Jeb from the British team trampled me into the ground. And I mildly knocked out for a little bit. I think I saw blacks and then I got, I don't know, I was probably out for like a second or two. And I twisted my diaphragm, I think it's called. That's what my physio said in the end. So, but you don't notice with the adrenaline, but yeah. So I, I wanted, I remember catching up with not Brian, but the rest of the Irish team. And I thought like, what were they doing? But then again, you never know when you fall, how long you've been down or like it was probably a couple of seconds. But it, essentially I thought I was on for like a top, I don't know, maybe a top 40 that day. but. Instead, I was 56 or 58 or something. But anyway, the following year, I am not going to fall because somebody else's mistake. So I went out first mile, and uh, was it Robbie Simpson eventually came third? He fell right beside me. And then I think either Tom Hogan or someone else picked him off the ground and put on, like, kind of like, there you go, son, and get back on. And he, he started running again and came through. But like I wanted to avoid that, and after geez, what was it, two k in or something, I was twenty seconds, and you know you've got to go at hard and be in the race. And then I was I was with the previous year's world champion for most of the race, and like two eleven marathon runner, uh, was with me an American guy. I I ran like probably one of the races in my life, like out of my skin. It I couldn't walk for a week, but I just like I hammered the down, hammered the up. There was no like, uh, no paying attention to anything. It was like a 400 or an 800. It was like one, it was like a couple of seconds, even though it was like 50 minutes or something. And then I came to the finish line, passed out and then woke up again. And I was like, yes, yes, top 24. Because on the final downhill, I could see somebody was chasing me tail. I think it was a uh, uh, Guillaume from France, good lads, Guillaume Kerma. And they're chilling. I thought, I can't let this up because then, Brian McMahon will never <laughs> let me forget it. <laughs> but like I'd be 25th and I thought, I'm going to be 24th. I'm going to be, and I just came through. I, and I, was I, like, I feel like I'm there in the race with you. you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I know you, you followed it up then, you know, and say with lots of other great results as well in the Europeans in 2017, a oh. super 23rd place. And the Europeans, a lot of the time, can actually be a harder level than the world championships because the the athletes from England, France, Spain, Italy, all the top guys are there and it's a very condensed race. And, mm. and to get 23rd in the Europeans was great. But I, I want to just touch on Ian as well, your master's results. And yeah. can you give any advice to people that are, say, getting on into their mid to late 30s, early 40s? <laughs> yeah, ourselves included. Um, because you went on to have some great master's results in the mountains. And this is where the whole Triple G thing comes in because you, oh, you got a double gold in 2016 <laughs> when you yeah. won the over 35 
yeah. world masters in Susa in Italy, and we had a great battle with the multiple world senior champion Jonathan Wyatt that day. And then he also got another team gold in 2017 with myself and Brian Fury in Slovakia. Two bronze medals, two additional bronze medals in the World Masters Mountain Running Championships and a European silver thrown in there as well. So you've got a whole room full of Masters medals on the mountains as well, Ian. Um, any tips for anybody listening? How to make that transition from you know feeling super and great and young in our 20s and early 30s to feeling a little bit older as we've, as we've passed 35? I think you start to like, like when you get like before the 35, like I think when I was 28, the first team I made at that point, I thought, jeepers, I'm kind of crocked here. I'm, I'm not going to come back. So it's about managing those things. And then also thinking like, although you are like, I'll be 40 this year as I think you are like before me, I think just yeah, like, yeah coming up in August, yeah. And where is it? That's maybe. I can't remember, but I, and same with Brian Fury and stuff like we're all close around the same age. But like when you get to that age, 35, you start before that even, you start to have the little things that happen. You maybe you can't get out of bed and like your Achilles is a little bit sore. But it's about like managing those things, but also looking at the bigger picture. Like, can you race, like say two races a week? Or can you do three sessions a week? You've got to like move it around a bit. It's like, What's that thing? Oh, you know those little things you used to get in uh, Sailor Works or whatever? They're kind of these little things with these squares on them and it gets all jumbled up. I don't know, it'd be like a flat Rubik's Cube. It leaves you a, a little picture on it. So you, you move that one, you move it, but you're going to move this one back. It's kind of like that. <laughs> so to get the full picture, I don't know what they're called or if anyone else, probably in Ireland, somebody knows what they're called or remembers what I'm talking about. Uh, you used to get them in Hector Graves. But anyway, you um, you have to see the full picture. And to see the full you're going to move stuff around here and there. But also be like, eat the right things. Like, I went vegan in... Like, and I've been on and off. Like, I'll eat a bit of meat here and there. I'm not like, I don't know, a meat snob or, or whatever. Like, if someone... If I go to someone's house and it's like, oh, there he goes. Shepherd's pie. And I'm like, you know, we're in the middle of... I don't know. I don't know. Or even if they're poor, rich or whatever... It's kind of good manners, I suppose, within a certain, like I wouldn't eat dairy stuff because of the lactose and it just really sets off my astral. But like in a certain way, I'd eat it here and there for politeness. It's just not being a dick. So like, I, but I would be mostly vegan for the reason of anti-inflammatory type stuff. Like if you, it's easier to be anti-inflammatory and have better Achilles and hip issues and all that stuff if you're vegan because like what do you eat? Like unless you're eating rubbish, vegan stuff like oh like oh i'm a vegan i eat you know crisps or or chips for any american listeners or you know corn snacks or i eat lots of sugar like oh that's bad but you tend to just make the switch over to like more salads fresh things you make things fresher and it just doesn't leave as much of a toxicity in your body there's a lot of things about that maybe it is, but I found that helped, and that was a big part from just before I went 35, and then especially that year, like, I went vegan for the whole of my build-up, because I went from fat to fit in nine weeks, and I lost over a kilo a week. Like, obviously, I was coming in, and like, I knew I had to be below 60 kilos. Okay, that's another thing I'd had to make in a world team. <laughs> for me, I'd have to be below 60 kilos, so I, I lost, yeah, I think I lost nine and a bit uh, kilos 
in nine weeks and that was all part of it but I wasn't like like obviously I was trying to lose the weight but not really like wasn't concentrating on it like I was just eating the right foods training sensibly and it fell off so and then you don't I noticed like Achilles problems that I'd had for years like the last year like I, I can get out of bed most days and walk to my breakfast or the toilet or the shower or whatever I hadn't been able to walk out of a chair for six years. <laughs> it's, a, yeah, it's, it's a massive difference. Yeah. And, and do, do you put that down to just diet, to switching to vegan foods? Because that, that is a really big difference from struggling to get out of bed and walking with pain first thing in the morning to walking freely. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that yet yeah, when they wake up and make those first 20 steps, uh, it's not easy. And they might be wondering how on heaven's name am I going to go and run 20K today when I can't even do 20 steps in the morning? Uh, yeah, a positive attitude, I suppose. I, I'm sure you've met like how many masters athletes are negative people. Like they're, they tend to be like great crack, lovely people, like, like, except for like uh, competitiveness why would you do masters it's for the fun so like that's the part as well if you stay positive and i think that that can lead to toxicity too i suppose when like the good diet helps you helps your your mind function better but i think yeah you're right it, it is is a major part of it but also you start i suppose as you get a little bit better you start to do exercises that you couldn't have ordinarily done because you were sore in certain points. So I did start doing a lot of things like um, like yourself. You, you helped me do those those exercises, and that kind of pointed me. Uh, your physio helped you do exercises to get you back. And I, I used some of those, but then I kind of got, you know, you get your own thing, so I kind of investigated further. And then because of the diet and everything else, I just started doing like a thing called toga, and I do a lot of... You know, exercises like I do squats, I do A-frame squats, and, and lots of kind of like what do you call them? Activation exercises, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you you just really have to you have to work hard, Ian, don't you? And um, mm. especially as you get older, if you want to keep on, you know, competing. And and again, not trying to make Irish teams, but at whatever level you're at, even if you're just beginning. As you get older, unfortunately, I think you just have to work that bit harder with your diet, with your activation exercises, um, train cleverly as well, as Rene tells us in every episode as well. And I know one big thing that I've had to change as well is instead of maybe running 20 races a year, I've cut that right down. Cut it right down to, to maybe 10 races a year, Ian, and really focus on maybe just three or four and i can see over the next couple of years those 10 races maybe even coming down to five races or six races and just saving saving going to the well and saving those big massive efforts for the five races that you really want to do well in yeah i don't know see like for me i've always like i've raced like i race more than 52 races a year for 52 weeks yeah so I always like if i'm healthy and i don't the, think it's a race a week with the wednesday is it the like the races on the wednesday league league races too mayors but there's still races essentially a lot of them are time trials for me but i think yeah. it's race craft and it's run like you're not running at the same speed you would in your your top end races but 
what I find is that maybe at the time, <laughs> that's the speed. Like I did a 1629 5K, uh, essentially a, part, a virtual relay from an English club today. And I'm, I haven't checked the results, but apparently it's down to the last result. We may have won it by a few seconds or we may have lost by a couple of seconds. But anyway, so it's, uh, you know... Or I've lost my train of thought again. I think I talked to him. It's about enjoying it, Ian, I think, isn't yeah. it? And I, I'm conscious of timing as well. And like, we genuinely could be here for two hours talking, but but <laughs> I did want to ask you what it felt like to be a triple world champion, <laughs> the triple G, and, and especially maybe the double gold yeah. in 2016. What was it like to stand on the podium with your teammates individually as well and to be a world masters mounting champion? Yeah, I suppose it's, it's like you were saying about people, how they, you know, like whatever level you're at, like it just so happens that that was my level because like I always like, there's a bit of a, snobbery in a lot of walks of life you know so like people like you know the way when you talk to people they I don't know they say well I should they say as if they shouldn't talk to us because we're faster or slower anyway so that was my thing I was aiming for the worlds that year in like the seniors worlds in Bulgaria I had done the world trial and I'd come second uh, and Jeremy the man of the moment as usual said I think you need a race before the worlds and I like if Jerry Brady tells you something, like, he's never been wrong in a running sense, ever, like, in a decade for me or 11 years, you should do the World Masters. And I was like, really, Jerry? It's a big, and it's like, I'm not really ready to be a master kind of thing. And he's like, well, Ian, take a look in the mirror. You're 35. Get over it. And I was like, okay. So, so then it was just, like, quick WhatsApp gang. It was like, who's going to do this? And then it was the... Um, it's now kind of a tradition. Two Rat Farnham lads and a Rahini man, because we've done it twice. You, me, and Brian, and it was uh, Reiner, myself, and Brian in 2016. But yeah, it was it was like I got there having done nine weeks, and I had my training diary at me in the night before. Like everything had gone great. I was right weight. I had done my tester trial uphills and stuff, and I thought right. I'm going to win this tomorrow. I am not coming home without a double gold. And I basically said that to the lads. I was like, look, I'm winning double gold tomorrow. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> and Mark, was, Mark read my diary and he was like, uh, you know, I'm, not, I'm not being bad or, you know, I'm not like, I know you're, you're great and all, but, but you have, you've only done like about, like, because he counts real miles. So like one of my weeks, like 22 miles, another one might've been 30 like I counted it from basically from nothing to like 95, 100 miles a week. And he's like, I, I know you're talking about going out with Jonathan Wyatt and all these, but like, I think you should hold back tomorrow and stuff like that. I think you're going to blow up and stuff. And I was like, Mark, don't give me this nonsense. <laughs> Let's go to sleep. And I'm going to smash it tomorrow. So then the next day, <laughs> things change so quickly with human beings. So we're doing the race. The gun goes. And these Italian lads, uh, what's his name? De Hoya, uh, God, oh, it's got a long name. He's going to kill me if he hears this. But yeah, he was an over 35. He was leading the race. And Wyatt and the Portuguese lad, who are like really classy runners, they were holding back a bit. And Mark was like, all right, <laughs> get the hell up there. you got to go after him. He's over 35. You can't lose. I was thinking to myself, but you just told me yesterday to not. And I was like, right. Like, it was like 500 meters into the race. Chase after him. 
it's all grand. I don't you, you never know how fast you're going if you haven't done the road work. So like you'd equate it to like five twenty ish or five ten or something pace. It, it felt, you know, comfortable running on the road. And just to interrupt Dane for a second, yeah. isn't it great to have um a great teammate? Um, someone mm. like Mark and a shout out to Mark if he's listening yeah. in. Um, like there he is, a competitor as well for you that day because Mark would have been competing as well. But he's there encouraging you on to go and chase that world gold medal where he could have been chasing that as well. And I know I've been racing with Mark for, for years as well. And, you know, he, he's been maybe behind me in a race going up a hill and he's literally pushed me in the back to help me yeah. get up that hill. You know, so, encouraging me there. He's a great teammate, and and it's it's so important to have good teammates, isn't it? Yes, you're over the years, like uh, all of us. Like it's a very tightly knit group of, of of this, I suppose, generation. Like even like Brian Fury, he doesn't talk as much as myself, maybe, but not many people do. But he he's also been like I've gone training with him, and and same with Brian McMahon. Like the two Brian's have had like actually kind of major kind of almost like arguments with when we were away but thankfully <laughs> you could it's like you know we're not family until you do that or like until you like go through things together like in the trenches as such you could become out of that so like but mark ryan as well he he's so so competitive but at the same time he'll help out but i think we'd all do that like we we want to do our best it's like what do you do i said this to somebody the other day like i love going for a run on my own but i like being down with other runners you know <laughs> you know that kind of like yeah. oxymonic statement kind of? and i think you, you can say that about so many irish teams mm. in all sports can't you really that and um, you never really hear of irish teams having problems when they go away and um i know it's very cliched as well the, the irish fighting spirit but never it, be. it is true to, to a certain extent and, and i'm sure when you went up on that podium um, and Aaron Levine is playing um, twice that day. <laughs> that that it was a great feeling. Yeah, it was. It was like just again. I I targeted because Jerry Barady told me to target it, and then I, I didn't realize until I'd done it that it actually did mean quite. And he, he Jerry is a bit of a piss taker at times, and he said to us all like, "You'll remember this. Like no one else has won a team goals. You'll remember this day." And we were like, I was thinking, Jerry, are you taking the piss? But he wasn't. <laughs> so like, like I, I'd gone like in the race, I'd gone at like I took the lead at three k in when we got to the first bit of uphill. I took the lead, and then I was gone. I was gone. I was leading by minutes at one point, and I got, it was at altitude. At some point, it was just up and up and up and up in the heat, and I was only caught by Wyatt and the Portuguese lad who who has been like I think second or third in Sierra Zonal uh, recently like the year before that or something, like top five maybe. And they both went past, they were over 40. Um, but really, it was because I was an idiot. When <laughs> when the Portuguese lad arrived, I surged repeatedly to try and break him. <laughs> this guy trains at altitude all the time. He had a much easier race because I'd ran it like into the ground. And then John O'Wire caught me with like 150 meters to go. And I thought, like there was some change in the race. And I thought we were going right instead of left. And, you know, the the finish line, I didn't know was there until we turned the corner. And I was like, I'm holding. I've got, we've got another K to go. And he went and he's finishing. And I was like, oh, balls. Damn it, that could have made my day to beat him. But anyway, we're going back to the uh, the podium. Stepping up, it's like, as usual, I was off talking to other people. You know, I talked to everyone, you know, the, a chair. 
<laughs> so I was off talking. I was like, Conroy, get the hell up there. They're calling out your name. You're supposed to be on the podium. So as usual, I was a bit like, I don't really get flustered, that kind of thing, because I think it, I do it, I purposely do it, maybe even or subconsciously. And I'm like, find me track to the top, leg it up, run up to the, the podium, two lads are waiting, the one and two, and I like jump on, nearly fall off it. We all shake hands. And then Aaron Levine goes, and I just, I was actually quite emotional. And I was like, you know, you see it. You see it all the time on the telly at the Olympics and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, how could they be like that? And I had a bit of a, maybe a trembly bottom lip and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, you're such um, I mean, for, for people listening in, um, I know a lot of our listeners might run the longer stuff, you know, the, the 40K, 50K ultras. But a lot of people do the shorter mountain races as well. And maybe just very quickly, in one minute, Ian, can you can you describe your most important mountain session as you're getting ready for a race? Yes. Okay. So it depends on the up or if it's up and down. But essentially, it's like let's say up and down because okay. I know we do yep. our specialist uphill only races, but I suppose nowadays the majority of mountain races are are up and down. So what's your go to yep. session for up and down? I have two. One is a like three by six minutes on a local loop, which is just over a mile, I think. So I and I alternate. I alternate. Uh, the way I go because it's, it's up down so I just go around like you know clockwise one lap so to, to get both types of speedy downhill and up and that gives you you know you're kind of going hard for both of them both up and down and then but my other more recent one which I, I made up in 2017 was it's three miles up one and a half miles down two miles up one mile down and then one mile up and you're hitting those at like faster than, than tempo pace because and you, I usually wear a heart rate monitor because I'm not at altitude on the sea level so to get the benefits of altitude go harder and like after that like I look at these sessions and I think how am I how did I do that like that was but I was fit and like it's a real it's a tester maybe it's like doing a rehearsal race for the big one you know when you do that that you're ready and like it's in the bag so but that would be my, my main one because it's, it's equates to a little, like 10k which is not that shorter than the usual 12k that we do so i would say go a little bit shorter and try and mimic the race mimic the race yeah no it's good advice Ian. um well listen Ian, we're nearly an hour um talking and it's been a, a fascinating conversation and um, we, we'd love to have you back on the show Ian, again another time because there's, there's lots of things that we haven't gone into detail with and i know you'd love to give a shout out to your friends over in horwich in the uk yeah. as well where we travel over and, and run with them in the in the english cross country championship which i'm sure is, is a fascinating experience <laughs> Yeah, uh, English cross country, and even like, like Horwich accepted. I went over there to find more similar mountain races that I could do, and there's no point in running on your own. So I joined Horwich, which is James Kevin's club, and it's an, it's a nice village uh, club, and I, I've gotten to run the English cross country twice and once in Parliament Hill. But it just, I was even talking about it today with um, Eugene O'Neill, who was running with, and you just when when the gun goes, the thunder like. In Parliament Hill, when I did, there was 206 finishers, I think. So you're sar- like literally like sardines uh, for the first couple of turns. And you're just, 
but the rush, you just like you'd be like, what was I? I was 156th and I lost, you know, 70 places on the last lap. But like you're running, like, you, you can look at the results. Like you're running, like everyone's like, you know, this guy's a 28 minutes, 10K. They're everywhere. So like the better, the tougher you are in a way, you have to have some speed. But the tougher you are to get through that mud, it, it's just, but it's one of the, it's like that, you know, with all the tents on the hill, I'm not like English or anything, but like the Agincourt, you know, Henry V is it or something like that, that kind of feeling. That's all, you know everyone and the team and all it's just it's amazing yeah, yeah. Wanna... it sounds great and, and listening we'll, we'll we'll leave it at that and maybe just to, to summarize very quickly it's been fascinating and um, a couple of key things that i've learned today that well first of all for anybody listening that's in a dark place don't be afraid to reach out to, to talk to somebody and um, running wise it's to um avoid those inflammatory foods eat lots of good anti-inflammatory foods run easy and slow as you're as you're coming back from injury and even as you're getting ready for races and train on race specific courses and most importantly from listening to you to to never give up to stay positive and and go for your dreams and uh, it's something that you've certainly done on 21 occasions and lots of other race wins as well 21 times running for ireland and uh, a triple g and in i wouldn't be surprised if we see a double triple g over the next couple of years double, hopefully buddy i'll be there standing beside you as well fingers crossed Alan. yeah it's, it's great talk to you as usual and like we've had our moment on the podium together as well so it might happen this year. You never know. The world's in Austria, world masters in Austria, and the European masters in Madeira, which I have my flights booked for already, actually. So. Uh, it, it came up on my Facebook feed, and I was only talking about it with Rory earlier in the episode, 6th oh, and 8th of November. It's on the radar, Ian. Ian Conroy, 21 times, caps for Ireland. An absolute superb athlete. Um, someone to admire and look up to on the mountains. Ian Conroy, thank you very much. Cheers, Alan. Thanks a lot. And that's a wrap for episode five, everybody. We hope you enjoyed the chat with Ian, a super guy, 21-time Irish international runner. And if you are going through anything that Ian might have um, spoken about at the top of the interview, don't be afraid to reach out, to talk to somebody. It's often the best medicine. Aware do some great work as well. They have a free phone number, 1800 48 48 monday to sunday 10 o'clock to 10 o'clock so don't be afraid to reach out and indeed if you see any friends and um, that might be going through some tough times right now pick up the phone send them a text message send them a, a whatsapp audio whatever it might be even bring them out for a run and just make sure that they're okay everybody have a super week's training a big shout out again to our show sponsor eco trail on the 26th of september a big thank you to renee and worry and our man on the drums shane oman and his band basic needs for our very cool soundtrack get your running gear on let's go